This is Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada, with a focus on the persecuted church around the world. I'm Greg Musselman. It's being called a landmark verdict. A Muslim man in Pakistan gets 25 years for killing a Christian woman over a rejected marriage proposal. Judge Azam Khan of the Islamabad Session Court handed down the sentence to Mohammed Shahazad for the 2020 murder of 24-year-old Sanya Ala Raka after her family declined his marriage proposal due to religious differences. He was a Muslim and she was a Christian. And joining me to talk about this important verdict is Asher John. He is the founder of Cross Connection. That is a digital media platform focusing on human rights advocacy in Pakistan, particularly minority rights through various forms of storytelling techniques, incredible journalism. He joins me from Lahore. Asher, good to have you back on Closer to the Fire. Thank you, Greg. It's a pleasure. And I know that you have been a journalist for over two decades. Uh, you bring a lot of experience to this. And so you've been covering this story. And uh, before we talk about uh, the significance of this verdict, can you give me some background of this tragic story that cost this beautiful young lady, Sonia, her life? Uh, the incident took place in 2020. Sonia Alaraka was a 24-year-old uh, Christian girl. She worked at a beauty salon. And the family is, uh, well, like a majority of Christians, it's very difficult for them to earn their livelihood. So all family members, they work to make uh, meet ends. So this uh, person, Muhammad Shahzad, he had been hounding Sonia for quite some time. And uh, apparently he had fallen in love with her and he used to push her to get married. But uh, uh, as far as uh, our investigation is concerned, Sonia was a staunch Christian. She refused to give up her Christian faith. And... Uh, she kept uh, pushing uh, Shazad back. Shazad then uh, sent his mother uh, to uh, Sonia's house with a marriage proposal, but she was also turned down because, obviously, because of the difference of faiths in the two families. This uh, motivated Shazad to take the extreme step, and he shot her down, huh. uh, killing her on the spot. And uh, uh, Greg, the thing is, this is not the first of its kind incident in Pakistan. Mm -hmm. We have had a similar incident in Karachi. This was uh, earlier uh, last year, where another Christian girl, she was being uh, pushed for marriage by her by a Muslim uh, person. When she refused, he threw acid on her. And then in 2018, an uh, uh, incident took place, and the Christian girl's name was Asma. And she was burnt 90% by the Muslim man because she had refused to convert and marry him. So this is what happens in cases uh, we have often uh, we have also reported and uh, this issue is widely known that there's a lot of forced conversion of underage girls. So that is, I think, more convenient for Muslim men to lure or abduct young Christian girls, convert them, get married and uh, keep uh, the girls with them. But and in cases where, yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say, in, there was no justice in the other cases that you've talked about, right? Well, the thing is, the uh, again, the disconnect between the Sharia law and the penal laws, that is a major hindrance. And then there are several other complications. So, so far, there has been no breakthrough uh, in these cases. We were expecting a breakthrough in a case which was taken up to the Supreme Court. It was supported by the Church of Pakistan. But unfortunately... Just uh, last week, the Supreme Court 
it dismissed the petition. It said that the girl had, because the girl had returned to her parents, the uh, petition was infructuous. And they didn't delve into the matter of underage marriages. So you see, it's the issue is being conveniently ignored for years. We were quite hopeful that uh, something good would out come uh, would come out of it, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. Yeah. So, what has reaction been then from Sonia's family to this uh, recent verdict? Then, well, obviously, it's uh, they are relieved. This pursuit of justice, this three-year-long pursuit of justice, I am sure it uh, wasn't easy for them. And especially when you have to fight cases, you have to pay the lawyers, you the uh, traveling expenses. Then they have to deal with the, the threats coming from uh, the accused party to reconcile. So there were a lot of pressures on the family. This is what I can tell you. And this is this yeah. happens in most of the cases over here. See, there is no witness protection program. There's uh, the uh, petitioners. They are at the mercy of uh, the accused. And yes. the police does little uh, to protect them. So they faced a lot of pressure during and the he- entire period. And even if there are charges brought, as you talk about the intimidation as well, I mean, how it is does, always there. Yeah. I mean, when you cover these stories, it must be somewhat exhausting because you're you're telling these stories and you're seeing nothing happen, and then of course you consider the families and what they're going through. I mean, it just uh, it's very disheartening. It is. It is. It is uh, disheartening, and uh, to be honest. This is what I keep asking our church leaders over here. How long are we just going to report these incidents? What are we actually going to do about it? Are we taking the right steps to stop uh, these atrocities? But uh, if you recall, in my previous uh, podcast also, when uh, I got the opportunity to sit with you, the main issue, even in the context of the Jarawala attacks, I think uh, if uh, we have time, uh, I would like to discuss... uh, the Janawala tragedy also, and you'll see where the Christian community of Pakistan is lacking. Why are issues are not being addressed? So that's the thing. We simply are not, uh, the state takes us very lightly. So that's one of the major things that all these incidents keep on happening. There is no change on the ground. Absolutely no change. So that is quite uh, demoralizing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I I can't imagine. I mean, we have our struggles, of course, in Canada. You know, there's things that happen in the justice system. You shake your head, but you know, when you're in Pakistan and and our brothers and sisters in Christ, they're they're you know they're reeling sitting ducks in that sense that they the girls can be kidnapped and forced into Islam, uh, married at young ages, uh, and it goes on and on. And even the girls that are uh, rescued, they're you know if they get to their back to their family. Uh, then again, you say there's no justice then, and then they're dealing with all the trauma. Um, I mean, how does that affect then the church in Pakistan? And I know what's about 2% of the population. And I mean, I mean, how do believers continue to go on in Pakistan when they're facing these things all the time? Well, the challenges are there. Uh, efforts are being made, but the efforts aren't really translating into any positive change. So, and the situation, if you talk about uh, the Pakistani Christians, well, we are living in fear. There's a constant threat that our children might be harmed. There's a constant threat that someone is going to just come up and uh, accuse us of uh, blasphemy. So, and uh, the thing is that there is, although the state keeps coming up with short-term strategies, there is no long-term solution yet. There is no long-term solution. 
so that's the thing it's a predicament and yeah. it's an everyday battle it's an everyday battle you know and uh I'm on Facebook. I have a number of uh, you know Christians from Pakistan. Uh, they've fled the country. They've gone to Thailand, and they're wanting to come to Canada. You know, in the case where I live, or or other Western countries. I, I mean, that's got to be discouraging as well. Uh, you know, for those that are wanting to stay to spread the gospel uh, when they see believers leaving. But I can understand it. In fact, I have been involved in helping to bring some families, Christian families from Pakistan, you know, to Canada. They've got young daughters and they're afraid that, you know, the things that we're talking about, um, I mean, faith wise, I mean, how does that affect your, you know, your personal faith? And, you know, because we read in the Bible, you know, he never will leave us or forsake us. That was Jesus' words to us. But when you see these things happening, how do you reconcile that, Asher, then with your faith in Christ? Well, I would say it's my faith in Christ that is keeping me moving. Okay. That's the thing. So, and uh, as you just uh, mentioned, that a lot of people are migrating. They are fleeing Pakistan. The interesting fact is it's not just Christians. Even Muslims are uh, fleeing Pakistan. The situation has come to that point. See, for uh, any country to actually thrive, a justice system is very important. So you have some semblance of justice, I'm sure, in Canada and in the West, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, that's not the situation in Pakistan, which yeah. is why people have started losing their faith. But it's our faith in God that the people who are still here, uh, I think such incidents do bring us together and we try to support each other. And it's only God... <laughs> that's uh, helping us uh, face all these situations. And of course, we can't just, uh, if all of us just start thinking of uh, running away from this country, I think our testimony is over here. And God, uh, we, uh, he uh, gave birth to us in Pakistan for a reason. So that's the situation. Most of uh, the people I know who are working in this field, who are working to protect uh, our rights, they are working with the same conviction that we are here, we were born here for a reason. It is to uh, preach through our work and our testimonies in the majority is the reason why we are here. So that's something uh, that keeps us going. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you said a number of important things. And, you know, when it comes to persecution, and I've traveled to a number of countries, including your country of Pakistan, and, you know, persecution does tend to, you know, to bring us together uh, when you have a lot of religious freedom. And, and we desire that for Pakistan. Uh, you know, you talk about the, you know, these blasphemy laws that are used against uh, Christians and others that are not kind of, you know, following the Islamic teachings, Sharia law. Um, so so that's that's a positive in that sense where persecution does draw people together, but it does wear some people down. And as you talked about, even some that's saying that. You know, maybe it's not worth it. Uh, maybe I'll just convert to Islam or I'll just keep really quiet. Uh, and again, we want to see the gospel go forward in Pakistan. And I appreciate, you know, yourself, you know, saying that I'm going to stay here. And and you, and it draws you closer to the Lord because you're depending on him really for your very life and for that of your family. 
but getting back to this verdict then asher what do you think this will carry over into other cases that maybe there will be some charges like this uh this man that killed sonia that he's gonna spend the next 25 years in prison um do you think that will happen in other cases as well and and maybe this is the beginning of, of some positive there well, uh, the thing is, the man has been convicted by the Sessions Court. He still has the right to appeal in the Lahore High Court. And the appeal will then, if uh, the Lahore High Court uh, upholds the decision, then he has the right to approach uh, the Supreme Court. And there are he has some relief uh, to that extent. But in most cases, the decisions taken by the Sessions Court in criminal cases, they stick. So if in this case, since... Uh, I think the police have uh, done a good job and mm -hmm. they have uh, they provided the basis for the conviction. This matter will hold. Unfortunately, in other cases, in most of the cases, the, uh, the victims, they are pressurized into reconciliations, so, uh, which is why those cases uh, don't see the light of the day. That's the thing. Oh man, again, it's uh, it's discouraging. And then when the threats can come and that, and and you do mention the judge did say when he handed down that verdict that he was very pleased with the police work on it. They did their due diligence, and uh, and they well, you know, the evidence was overwhelming that in fact Sonia was shot and killed, and it was a result of the family not wanting uh, her to marry him because he was Muslim and she was Christian. And uh, so we'll continue to pray, you know, in, in cases like that and that there will be justice. I mean, the international world uh, is watching what's going on in Pakistan. I know there's a lot of other things. Of course, we have this uh, terrible situation right now uh, over in Gaza and Israel. We have you know, the Ukrainian war. Uh, there's so many things, Sudan. But there is interest and there is attention being paid, especially, I believe, from Christians to want to know what's happening to their brothers and sisters in Christ. And and we will continue to pray that there will be the break. This is just the beginning, you know, of uh, of some positive things. Are you hopeful personally then, uh, Asher? Well, I would be hopeful if, uh, see, the thing is, the Christian community, they have realized one thing. The community realizes that without coming up with some semblance of unity, we won't be able to achieve anything. And the situation is going to continue. But unfortunately, and it pains me to say this, that our church leaders and our political leadership, they are yet to realize this fact. The Jadawala tragedy, I believe, was an opportunity to restore the community's dignity and demand solutions to these problems. But unfortunately, our leadership, it just capitulated. They just capitulated, which is why the Janamala, the Punjab government has outrightly, they have uh, denied the formation of a judicial inquiry and we are nowhere. The entire Janamala tragedy, I believe, has gone based. The cases, uh, there's the, the about 22 FIRs were registered on behalf of the churches, but now slowly and gradually because there's a lot of intimidation. There's a lot of pressure. The complainants, they have started withdrawing. The witnesses aren't coming forward. The police is not cooperating. And then there was a case uh, recently of a pastor who claimed that he had been shot. And uh, uh, that uh, one incident took the entire focus away. And this mm -hmm. is what the police wanted. So the entire narrative that the pastor built actually worked in favor of the police. The attention was diverted and now 
even though there are multiple petitions filed in the lahore high court only two are sustaining uh, regarding the judicial commission and on which uh, the government has said that see the uh, one uh, thing is that christians are misusing the blasphemy laws they are using blasphemy to seek asylums abroad it has just strengthened uh, the government's narrative and the narrative of the religious organizations so i think it was the entire janawala incident was very badly managed it was very very badly managed by our leaderships yeah and and I, and i was going to actually going to go to this too because uh, there was this case that you did cover for cross connection uh where this pastor in Jaranwala uh which is in the province of Punjab the district of Faisalabad uh and he was charged with faking an assassination uh and then it was as you mentioned taking attention off to what was going on in Jaranwala where he had all those riots and uh, i know we've talked about this happened uh last august uh, I think it was with thousands of Muslims, you know, they burned down churches, they burned down Christian homes. Yeah, nearly four to five thousand uh, writers. Yeah, they were backed by uh, an Islamist party. Yeah, and so and multiple the... churches were burnt. Yeah. Well, uh, let me give you some context of the Jadawala attacks also. Sure. Okay. You see, yes. the Jadawala incident, the Quran desecration incident, was actually carried out by a Christian, and that's uh, the sad part. Yeah. Okay and you need the to be honest is, and you need to be honest about that too right we can't just say yes we we need yeah we need yeah. to be honest and this is what we have been uh, telling government authorities that see the main issue is that the blasphemy laws are being grossly misused and it is now right. shocking for us that even christians have started using the blasphemy laws against each other oh my goodness so that is something that is very very and it calls for a deterrent these false accusations they need to stop in this case the entire locality was burned down the churches were burned down because one of the two brothers he was having an affair with the the main guy the perpetrator and to avenge uh, that thing he actually desecrated the quran to in- incriminate uh, implicate uh, the boy in that case and this is how the entire thing started it wasn't the act wasn't committed by any muslim so they just took uh, charge from the situation on that incident which was perpetrated by a christian so that's uh, the thing now coming up uh, to the incident uh, uh, involving the pastor uh, when i started investigating it the first uh, time when this, he made a video of uh, these islamist writings on the uh, outer wall of the church i was uh, inquisitive and uh, because he had written on one of the sides it was he had taken his own name and which meant accursed wiki okay now on on one side he's right uh, it was written the slogan of tehreek e labak pakistan which is an extremist political party it said labak ya rasulullah the other writing was uh, muhammad is the prophet of uh, allah and the third uh, sentence was accursed wiki now that aroused suspicion not only in me in everyone i had discussed the matter with so and naturally we reported uh, the incident that something has taken place because uh, simultaneously another incident had taken place in karachi uh, two or three days before that so probably someone took you from uh, that incident in which uh, words like allah akbar and uh, uh, something like that they were not uh, slogans it was just common words used by muslims in parks and they were written, uh, written on the wall of our church in karachi so when these uh, slogans took uh, when these writings appeared in the ch- jadawala church where wiki was the pastor 
he called the police he made a video and he said so oh, please see the police are going uh, doing this and this and that then after a week i came, when i heard about this incident and naturally everyone was uh, shocked and uh, we were all quite concerned that how is it possible that someone who's coming and the assailants just come up hold him on gunpoint and outright tell him to recite the kalma they'll say nothing else and when he refuses the people who have come there with the intent to kill this just shoot him with a bullet just grazing his uh, shoulder now this was something that of course people who uh, deal with such incidents who are who understand criminology and who have an interest in it they obviously would know how these things work hmm. and okay. we decided in fact uh, when the church leaders also contacted me everyone was taken aback and they said well we need to do something about it there's something serious and what is your opinion on it so i have frankly told them i think that this was a staged thing and because one of the my sources they told me that before uh, this uh, wall writing incident took place this pastor wiki he had been uh, talking to some people and saying see all the relief and my uh, greg the thing is millions of dollars of relief was poured into jarawala that's another story of what is going on over there right now but yeah. in fact he was i would say a bit jealous that why is all the relief pouring in over there when in fact nothing had happened in his area and he was saying well we should also get something uh, uh, we are also one of the grief people he was not pursuing any case there were no specific threats to his life there are 26 churches in that area where his church was Mm-hmm. none of them received any threat no one had any wall talkings on uh, their walls so he came up with this uh, thing and when police found out they found out within 2 3 days but see police interrogation and especially when it comes to punjab police they can make elephants confess <laughs> that's what uh, uh, we joking joke yeah. about in pakistan his wow. story did not match his statements did not match they were all he was it was all contradictory even the forensics the medical examination and the medical was conducted by a christian doctor who is the head of the orthopedic uh, department in faisalabad civil hospital and the minute when he examined uh, the person's uh, this uh, pastor's uh, arm he wrote in the medical report that the, uh, something had been applied to numb it and wow. then there was burn injury burn injury on his shoulder which uh, shows that the handgun was kept where it was fired from a very close range as to avoid damage to the bone so this is how the, now what the pastor did was when he uh, obviously when he knew that uh, the secret was out and at best he would have been charged under section 325 which is attempted suicide it is a bailable offense he would have been out but he took it to the next level he was the police did not keep him under custody in the police station they just uh, put him under custody in they placed three guards for one reason that he had claimed that he was attacked number two they were confirm uh, in the uh, obviously they suspected that he had done all these things uh, on his own to build a story so they had these uh, three police guards stationed at his house for his own protection the matter would not have blown out of proportion when two activists from karachi one of them is a, a female activist and uh, she just flew in and things went out of uh, they were blown out of proportion 
right and this is yeah. when i asked her i said did you even think why major people in punjab in my province all the church leadership all mainstream leaders why aren't they talking about this issue because we don't want to highlight this issue it's best to just let it go the procedure at best the case will be discharged in a couple of days so you wouldn't you shouldn't have come you have actually <laughs> given a wind to it and now the incident has spread like jungle fire and since our community a majority of our people don't even know how to use social media responsibly and things went haywire so from they made the pastor into a hero and then he started making ridiculous claims just to put more pressure on the police after and i can tell you a lot of back channel diplomacy took place to actually get him off the hook otherwise which otherwise he would have been but the matter went uh, berserk now all of this has damaged the janawala incident it For has sure. caused oh, yeah. immense damage yeah and oh, now this pastor he is currently i was uh, recently informed but <laughs> in fact someone approached me oh i think you should uh, interview pastor vicky i said it's better i don't interview him because then you are just parading him around trying to see and obviously as you mentioned earlier they are going to try and just send him abroad on a on a asylum or something or something that was that lacks yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, i, I mean, think got, yeah. such actions yeah such actions actually harm the cause oh yeah for sure i mean i mean it's difficult enough in what you're trying to do there in defending uh legitimate claims of people have made these you know they're facing blasphemy from you know and false charges but when you got somebody doing this and i get I guess uh, ask your desperate people do desperate things. Uh, we know that uh, the followers of Christ are uh, definitely have some issues. Many, I mean, we all do. We have sin nature, um, but to do something like that that can bring so much harm to others uh, is just uh, terrible. And I hope that uh, he makes an apology to the body of Christ in Pakistan, to the government, to the police. And and again, I, it takes bravery for you uh, to even to talk about it, uh, to bring, I mean, some light needs to be brought to it for sure. And as you state, you know, we don't want to overdo it, but on the other hand, it needs to be brought forward. Um, of course, Greg, yeah. we need to be honest. I, I have oh, always abs- believed we don't have that any credibility we need to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that's the thing. And I know that cross-connection, that's why we appreciate even working with you with the voice of the martyrs because there is a credibility and you're going to tell the stories true and and i've you know again i've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of persecuted christians and you know there it hasn't happened that you know all that often but it does happen where you find out later on that the story has been fabricated uh to bring a more sympathy or attention and 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 you know you and i both have you know journalistic backgrounds and we want to make sure the story that we're telling is true and if it's not true Let's get out there and say, for whatever reason, people have fabricated it. Um, and because if we don't and we're, you know, caught where we haven't been truthful, it's going to, you know, it's going to undermine our credibility. And OK, well, Voice of the Martyrs are saying this. Well, we don't even know if we can trust them or Cross Connection said this. So, again, integrity That's is something the, the Lord has called us to. I uh, will continue to pray about uh, that particular situation and uh, the truth would, uh, you know, come out and then people would understand even within the Muslim community that uh, sometimes people within the Christian community uh, do things that they shouldn't be doing and uh, they need to be held accountable to that. Now, something that you have worked on recently, it's a documentary, it's called Stolen Lives, 
the plight of girls from minority religions facing forced marriage and conversion. And I'm going to put a link on uh, the episode notes. I, I really encourage people to watch it. It's powerful. It's a very moving 11 minute mini documentary uh, that talks about you know, these girls and their families enduring these terrible, terrible nightmares. Uh, and before I talk to you about it, Asher, I want to uh, just play a little bit uh, from the documentary from Tamina Aurora. She's the Director of Advocacy Asia for ADF International, and this is from that documentary. In certain parts of Asia and Africa, it is not uncommon for young women and girls to be forced to convert from their faith by forcing them to marry against their will. In Pakistan, we have seen an unsettling trend where young women and girls from religious minorities, in particular Christianity, will be abducted and will be forced to convert to Islam and then forced into a marriage. This happens because under Sharia law, the marriage age is lower than the country's official marriage age. Not only are these cases a tremendous violation of these young women's rights to religious freedom, but also these women and girls are fearful for their lives and those of their families. Christians and minority religions are particularly targeted for these forced conversions and marriages because unfortunately they are easier victims. They are often poor, impoverished and have had no access to education. Once the girls are abducted, they are forced to marry their abductors. They are sexually assaulted, raped and restricted from contacting anyone in their family and friends. In the few cases where these abductors were charged and produced before a court, the lack of evidence leads to their acquittal. Often because the girls are called to testify against their abductors, their captors, even while they are in custody. Again, it is a very powerful documentary, Stolen Lives, and I will put the link so you can watch it. it uh, again, it's, it's hard to watch. But we need to see these things. I mean, your heart will be touched. And uh, our desire is that people will be praying and, and supporting uh, the work that uh, is going on in Pakistan to help these families. Uh, tell me about the documentary. How did how did you get involved, Asher? Uh, well, uh, I have uh, partnered with Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, 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 we did a documentary last year for them. And then again this year, they wanted a documentary on... Uh, uh, especially for uh, this International Day of the Girl Child, which falls on October 11th. And uh, they wanted something on uh, uh, forced conversions and underage marriages. So in the documentary, we chose uh, two cases. One of them, uh, as I uh, shared earlier, was mm -hmm. of Nayab Kil, the case which went to the Supreme Court. And uh, unfortunately, on October 11th, uh, they released the documentary. And on October 12th, the verdict uh, came out the Supreme Court's verdict, which we were hopeful uh, that it would have an impact. But uh, since uh, the detailed verdict, is, uh, we are still waiting for it. And we don't know yet uh, what else the court has said. But uh, uh, this is how I got involved. In, and uh, we are, I work in close cooperation with the Alliance Defending Freedom on such issues. And especially since uh, they are into legal advocacy, they work with the lawyers in Pakistan, especially on cases involving Christians. Mm -hmm. blasphemy cases, cases of forced conversions. So I help them in uh, verifying the cases and stuff like that. And also in uh, such uh, projects. And what has the reaction been uh, to the documentary? I know it's only just been out for a little while, but uh, are you getting some feedback? And, and what are people saying? Well, uh, the documentary is on uh, ADF's uh, YouTube channel, and it's 
we've gotten uh, quite some decent views there's been engagement i haven't uh, recently visited but the last time i saw there was engagement there were comments coming in from uh, muslims also not from pakistan but uh, some other countries so there is engagement going on and that was the basic uh, uh, idea of engaging people of uh, raising awareness about the girls how they are uh, treated so in these uh, in this documentary we chose nayab who was 13 and a half years old at the time and she was taken from her home and then we have the story of saima bibi who was a mother of two and was pregnant with the third when she was abducted by the manager of the bricklin where she was working so we have two different stories which shows the perspectives of an underage girl and a married woman and the uh and they plight during uh, captivity and it is heartbreaking so, yeah and i you know the husband and the children uh you know waiting for the wife and mother to come back and oh, yeah. the, the damage that has been done uh, will last a lifetime but i'm glad that you're doing it again we're going to put the link on the episode notes and i encourage people to watch it and then also to share it uh with your friends because uh we need to know what's going on it, it it's either not easy stories to see but we can have some positive impact and i know cross connection the big part of what you do is to bring awareness Yes, bring prayer, bring support uh, so we can stand with those that are suffering. Uh, and in our particular case with the Voice of the Martyrs Canada, our brothers and sisters in Christ, but others as well that uh, that are suffering uh, because they're in the minority. So we want to continue to do that. Um, Asher, before we leave, can uh, can you just lead us in prayer, uh, you know, for what is going on in Pakistan? Uh, we've talked about some of these cases. Jaranwala, of course, in that situation continues to go on because so many houses of believers were destroyed, churches destroyed. Uh, the churches, of, of course, there are in trauma. Uh, so many things are going on, and, and, and we've touched upon it before, and we will continue to do it. And uh, that is these uh, young girls, young women uh, that are taken against their will. So can you lead us in prayer? Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. With our hearts open, and seeking your intervention. We thank you for everything that you have done for your people in Pakistan and for everything that you continue to do. And we look up to you for more help, Father, mm -hmm. especially for our leadership. Open their hearts, give them your wisdom so that they may take the right steps, which will eventually be in the good of the entire community. We left all the victims of Jadawala and other crimes that are taking place on a daily basis in Pakistan. We raise them before you. We seek mercy for them and your grace. And dear Father, I thank for partners like Voice of Martyrs Canada for all their prayers and support and the care that they have for the persecuted across the world. Bless their endeavors and guide us together so that we may continue to help those who are persecuted for their faith. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you too, Asher. Father, thank yeah. you for Brother Asher. Thank you for uh, his bold witness for Jesus and uh, bringing light into some pretty dark places. 
And Lord, I know that's not easy for him and his family. Uh, would you just continue to protect them, uh, protect him as well as he as he continues to bring these stories to light, uh, not to hurt people, but to bring awareness and that there would be justice. And Lord, we know when we read in the scripture that you are the ultimate judge, and uh, we know that you will write everything at the end of time. But we do pray even even before uh, the return of Jesus and before this thing is all wrapped up on this earth, that you will continue uh, to to move in the hearts and minds of even the enemies of the gospel that would try to injure and and uh, just hurt the church. We know, Lord Jesus, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church because the church is on the offense of bringing light into darkness. But with that, uh, we also know there's an incredible cost. And so again, I pray for my brother and, and all those working on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Pakistan. Be with them. Strengthen them, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So appreciate you, Asher. And uh, people want to find out more about Cross Connection. You can go to the website, cross-connection, uh, with K's, uh, .pk. And again, I'm going to put it on the uh, show notes. And if I could also ask, you know, you, as you're listening or watching this podcast, if you can uh, make a rating on it or share with others uh, so people can find out what's going on uh, in our world. I mean, there's so many things going on. But, you know, as followers of Christ, you know, we're told that if one part of the body suffers we all suffer together. We need to care about those that love Jesus like we do and uh, to help and support them. So Asher, again, thank you very much for your time and uh, for all that you do uh, for the church in Pakistan and beyond. God bless you, man. God bless you too, brother. Thank you. Thank you. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.